Hey everybody, welcome to What Am Games, the gaming and hobby podcast where we talk about pretty much all things tabletop. I get to intro this week because our other host, Mike, has the sniffles. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if the sniffles came through on Discord, but my my recorder certainly picked it up. (laughs) Alright, good. And I mean, we we can always just, you know, put in a Foley sniffle effect later for dramatic effect. Yeah. Nice. Well, so like when if you if you listen, I put like the the chipmunky voice over my voice instead of like the big echoey one when we did the yeah, fails you... wins of the week because right after that I said I'm gonna put a big manly voice on it. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna say you. It was so funny. Like maybe I'll put some big manly reverb on that. <laughs> I was like, that was funny. Okay, uh, good. I'm glad. comedy. Comedy. I can't wait for that to officially go live. That's gonna be great. <laughs> uh, yeah, great. So, um, well, hold on. I'm taking oh. over now. Oh, okay. I'm okay. taking over oh. now, Jane. Okay. I'm sorry. I want to hear. Sorry. I want to hear. the captain now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the captain now. <laughs> I want to hear. You tell me who you are, Jane, and then tell me what you've been up to this week. Okay. 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 Uh. Well, my name is Jane. I am a New York-based actor and musician, and uh, I also play D&D pretty regularly. Uh, This week, as far as hobby goes, I am all set to finally start painting some of my new Drakari. I was rattle can priming them mere moments before I hopped on to record this podcast, so I'm really excited to get started on that. Can and, I just uh, pop in and say that it sounded like you said nude Rikari? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. I would like to, uh, I would like to clarify, they are my new Drukari. As far as I know, none of the official GW models are nude. However, I have seen a lot of third-party, quote-unquote, dark elves that are just, you know, uh, tits akimbo, as the kids say. <laughs> I don't, I don't think, I don't think the kids that. say that, but uh, no, I'm sure they some are, child they has are, said that. They are fully clothed Drukari. I'm really excited to get started on painting them. It is mostly right now the Piety and Pain box set, but uh, I also primed Drazar and an Incubi squad, so really pumped on that. And that's who I am and what I'm working on. Excellent. Kurt, who are you and what are you working on? Well, I am a Connecticut-based writer who also runs a comic book shop. What I've been working on is um, not much in the way of hobby that's fun. I mean, I do game every week. I'm a big D&D nerd, so I have two games a week. But what I've been doing is basically writing a new novel and painting for money, because I do that on the side as well. So the painting stuff is not interesting. It's just figures for um, model railroad trains. I I work for a model railroad company painting um, O-scale figures to put besides the train tracks. And the novel stuff is exciting, though. It's a process where I loathe all the stuff I wrote yesterday, and I love what I'm writing today. And then by the end of the writing session today, I'll think it's all garbage, and I need to erase it all and start fresh. And every day I go through that struggle. So that's what my week has mostly been. I have not done any um, model build building or painting for fun though i do have a few things primed and ready so hopefully next week i will talk about hobbying for fun and that's me so what about you mike who are you and what is your hobby <laughs> painting for money and the chicks are free um there's no chicks in painting i know 
Well, there, I mean, there are plenty of chick painters. I mean, there are chicks who are painters, but I mean, you don't get the chicks in painting. Sorry. I, Sorry, I was just, yeah, just the way the, you said it that reminded yeah. me of the song. Right, it's the wrong all. hobby to go into if you're looking to, uh, you know, up your sex Score appeal. all the babes. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. So, hi, my name is Mike, and I'm a videographer from Connecticut. No, I'm just God damn it, he's on his Drink him coffee. Drink my coffee. My name is Mike. I am a videographer, also in Connecticut. I have a small business called MT Independent Productions, where we make small videos for small companies. And I love painting in my free time, and can't wait to get to playing. Also play D&D, video games, a whole bunch of stuff like that. This week, I am finishing up my death company and my death company captain. And they are nice. looking mighty fine. Yeah, Thank they are you. looking good. Thank you. You are very welcome. Okay. So we had a discussion uh, off mic about telling stories from Dungeons & Dragons because we all play. And it's a cornucopia of stories and just good times. Also bad times, but mostly good times. So we wanted to tell some of those. And we more specifically wanted to talk about the D&D moments that really made D&D click for you. Like when you realized the character started to make sense or you realized there was some sort of potential that you weren't really tapping into in the, uh, in the way the gaming system works. Or you just kind of realized, you know, these are the people I'm playing with and kind of started to jive that way. But we wanted to try and get into some of that today. And I want to hear from Kurt first. Okay. Well, I mean, I got a long history with D&D. So let me preface by saying that I've, I've played almost every edition of D&D. I started with the red and blue box set of D&D, the basic stuff. and went through first, second, all the way up to current edition. Like, my heart definitely belongs in the first and second edition era. But um, the simplicity of the rules in the third edition edition and on has has definitely improved things a lot but i'm going to talk today about the game that everyone loves to either hate on or ignore entirely and that's actually fourth edition dnd um as much as i do think that fifth is a, a better change in direction there's a lot of good stuff in fourth that people like to just you know poop on they like to just say it was all bad and move past it or they just skipped it and never played it and they have no understanding of it and my story about how the rules started to click actually happened late in our campaigns when we were we knew that we were going to be moving on to fifth soon and we actually gave up on being too by the book we, we started to just loosen up that the dm loosened up and the players loosened up and uh what happened was it was just a better game like we started to really really enjoy ourselves at the end of fourth edition and uh specifically what i did was in, in character creation is where i really enjoy my character i like to make up the characters and usually i have a base concept when i go into the character creation and then I figure out their background and who they are and come up with a story. And I'm a very story-driven person, hence why you know, I, I write for a living. And I like creating characters. That's that's really what like makes me happy with a D&D game is, is creating a character and giving them a backstory and then seeing how they grow and develop. And um, what happened at the end of 4th edition was I started making up characters who on paper were one thing, but in the story they were something completely different. Let's say I wanted to play a holy warrior. I wanted to play a knight devoted to a god, and he was a holy warrior. 
the first thing that most people think of is like, oh, let's play a paladin. Yeah, you're just going to play a paladin. I mean, it's already set for you. But I would not create a paladin. What I would create was I would look at other powers and abilities in 4th edition. I'd look at, well, I, I need fighting skills and I need magic. And I would create a, a guy who dipped into cleric and fighter. And I would customize my character and call him a paladin. But he was not in any way, shape, or form mechanically a paladin. And uh, that does like an easy example. I did other stuff very similar to that where I would say, oh, this guy's an assassin, but he's not a rogue at all. He's actually like a sorcerer dipping into warlord. And somehow I made that work. And uh, the philosophy that like you could say your character is X, but he is something completely different on the paperwork. You know, on the, on the character sheet, it didn't jive at all with what you were playing. But I'm role playing as the paladin i'm role-playing as the assassin as whatever i want to role-play as i'm this character but i'm doing the things i want to do with that character using completely different rules than what the game said should be the rules for that character and so that kind of really opened up my mind to looking at multi-classing and powers and abilities and reflavoring them or rethinking of them as completely different things just to achieve a similar a goal. Does that make sense? I don't know if I'm making enough sense, but that was that was like a, a big epiphany for me. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it also really tracks with what you were just saying about being such a story-driven person in these games because you know yeah you're absolutely right like a holy warrior you know you think of a paladin in a certain way but if you want to play that archetype but have someone with a totally different background that could lead to some really interesting story possibilities and a different skill set and power set because in fourth edition everything was based on um, daily encounter and at will powers so you know paladins were like oh i make my sword glow and i hit you and it does radiant damage but i wanted to have a paladin who didn't even wield a sword maybe he wielded a spear and he had speed-based powers or the ability to summon animals i could do that by taking other classes and still right. say he was a holy warrior like summoning angelic hounds to fight for him instead of you know using a holy avenger that's awesome thank you it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun though those last like three or four characters i played before we switched over to 5e were really i'm not gonna say oh they're amazing i'm not gonna blow smoke up but uh <laughs> the, you know the, i it was just a lot of fun it was like really freeing and um like i said the dm also at the time stopped being so strict because he used to be like oh the rules say this and we're gonna do everything exactly as the rules but he would give out very high powered items and see if they unbalance the game or he would stop worrying about everything being 100 percent within the rules and just had a good time and when the dm has a good time all the players will also have a good time so it it was really awesome really awesome it was a good way to end that edition and move on to to fifth that is very true try not to like purposefully piss off your dm too much I used to take bribes years ago before I retired as a DM, so I can't really say anything. I used to have people show up to my... I'm not lying. I had people show up to my game and be like, hey, I brought some cheeseburgers. Are you hungry? And I'm like, hell yeah, let's have some lunch. And they're like, so if I gave you like three cheeseburgers, could the whole party get like another two to 3,000 experience points so we could level before game starts? And I'd be like, sure. <laughs> so I'm... Uh, I mean, I, I was bad at the end before I, I, feel I, like... I did my low retirement. So each cheeseburger is worth a thousand XP is what I'm hearing here. Just about. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's how it worked out sometimes. Yeah, I was saying, I, just, I, I let people bribe me. It was, it was fun times, but that was that's a different story. Another day. <laughs> Kurt, do you want to nominate who goes next? Oh, let's have Jane go next. Okay. I like his stories. Great. Um, 
So my first tabletop experience was actually not with D&D. It was with uh, Pathfinder, and I have not dipped my toe back into Pathfinder since, so I really have no idea what edition it was. And uh, at this point, I I think I had just graduated from college, and D&D and tabletop had always been something that I was interested in, but I had never really had an opportunity to play up to that point. No one really that I knew in high school was into D&D, and when I was in college, I was far too busy. So I was really excited when uh, a group that I knew invited me to uh, come and play a game with them. And I was a little nervous, of course, because I was like, well, you know, I've never done this before. But the Dungeon Master took a very story-centric approach with me. He was like, yo, don't worry about it. Like, tell me tell me about the character you would like to play. And, you know, we'll figure out what, you know, race, class, background, all that stuff. So, you know, I started talking about, you know, I was I was interested in uh, necromancy. So I was like, okay, like I would I would love to play a character who like had an affinity with the dead and it made him an outcast in his village, you know, and ended up once once he could support himself, he just like went off in search of adventure. So, you know, we made we made this necromancer character character and I showed up for our first game and I was greeted by one of my friends wearing a cloak and brandishing a dagger in my face so I was like okay this is gonna be uh, this is gonna be a little bit more uh it's gonna be a little more larpy than I expected but great let's roll with it and then we uh, you know we got to the table and it turned out to be more of a traditional you know sit down and and move your move your minis around the map so the encounter that they had set up to introduce me to the party was uh, I was another passenger on a boat and uh, the rest of the party was established. They trusted each other and naturally they did not trust the newcomer, which got even worse when as soon as they started talking to me, we got attacked by uh, a small kraken sort of creature. So like definite danger to the boat, but not immediate, you know, capsizing. So I started thinking, you know, what can I do to prove to this party that, like, first of all, this monster was not something that I summoned, and second of all, that, you know, I'm I'm someone that they can trust. And uh, I didn't have too many ranged attacks, but I did have, like, a touch attack that was basically an inflict wounds kind of situation. So suddenly something clicked, and I turned to the, the game master, and I said, hey, could I... Could I jump off the boat and like try and grab one of those creatures' tentacles and like use my touch attack? And of course, he he looked at me and he said, "Yeah, of course." So you know, I rolled the dice and it ended up being a success, and that got the party to trust me. And that just kind of blew my mind open in terms of like, oh, you really can do just about anything in these games, and the the possibilities are really only limited by your imagination. And also, you know, obviously, I, I learned later you need to have a good DM who can. And figure out how things would work mechanically but you know coming coming from having previously only played video games in which you know there are always borders like you know even though the wall looks like you should be able to climb it you can't <laughs> there's an invisible fence here so you can't leave this area just realizing that it truly was a sandbox was the thing that got me really excited about D&D and tabletop and then you know years later um, unfortunately we didn't end up meeting again with that group um, I think I booked a job outside of the city soon afterwards, so I was not able to join them. But then when I came back to Dungeons and Dragons a couple years after that, you know, I, I maintained that same sense of wonder, and uh, I think I still carry that with me today. That's an excellent story. 
Thank you. Yeah, I really like it's a good that. Good DM too. Yeah, I think. I mean, the way the way he approached new players is the same way my current DM does it. You know, he'll ask like if there are any archetypes that you want to play, and you know, like he'll be like, okay, well, like, do you wanna do you wanna play somebody like Link? You might end up being a ranger. Do you wanna play someone like Gandalf? You're probably a wizard. So he like he goes through known characters like that. That's definitely a good way to kind of connect those dots for a new player. But also, when you started telling your story, I just was hearing over and over and over in my head, D&D Tales from the Casting Couch. <laughs> oh, no. What? <laughs> I'm not aware of this. Well, uh, I mean, you're aware of the... Uh, I know what the, a Casting Couch is, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I certainly... <laughs> I really want to be in your game, Mr. Director. Yeah, that's what exactly. What can I do? <laughs> pre- pretty much, that's exactly what I was thinking. Oh god, no. I, I was oh more god. thinking of. Um, have you guys seen the meme? Uh, I, I, I'm gonna butcher it because you know it, it's just text, but it's like uh, new player to the game. Like, so like we just like roll dice and things happen. It's like yeah, you just you just make stuff up and, it, and it's a lot of fun. It's like oh man, I thought it was like you know dressing up in weird hats and like you know s- sitting in your mother's <laughs> basement. And like the last guy's like, well, like only if you're cool. <laughs> so your friend <laughs> opening the door. Or in a robe with the you know I was like oh god sounds like that <laughs> yeah I really I really appreciated that as a as an intro to that game. <laughs> There was a girl I was trying to date who really wanted to come to one of my D&D games because I think that's what she thought it was going to be. And then she got there and was terribly bored. Yep. <laughs> well, I used to LARP, so I can't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm I'm down for it. I love yeah. role-playing. It's I've, great. I dipped my it's toe in that world, and I had a great time. I would I would love to do more of it once uh, it becomes safer to do so. Yeah, it's definitely a good exercise of letting go and being something different for a little while, you know? Yep. Well, actually, that's a that's a great segue in terms of, you know, your story about how uh, your campaign was not LARPy, Mike. I would love to hear about uh, the time that you realized you were bitten by the tabletop bug. So I had played several characters. I think the, the first thing that really made me love D&D was the fact that I could name my, like, robotic dog companion, Robopuppy9000 Willem Dafoe. <laughs> so it took i mean it took it took time to get there but it got there so i just i I enjoyed like the little comedy things i could interject but i didn't really have a grasp i think pathfinder just wasn't it didn't really jive with me i mean i understood it but it didn't i didn't really enjoy it that much i felt like i was just bogged down too often and then fourth edition came out you know and like kurt said most people dis fourth edition for a lot of reasons i agree with a lot of those reasons however a lot of really interesting things did come out of it um i don't know if this particular type of rune priest with these particular abilities existed beforehand they probably did but you know like this is when i started to really understand what you could do to kind of like bring some more life to what was going on around the tabletop and that it didn't always have to be combat encounter after combat encounter if you have a dm who's quick on their feet uh, like my DM at the time I was able to use compact of peace 
to stop so many physical encounters to just break it down and say, stop, everybody, we're going to talk this out for a couple turns. And there's nothing anybody can do about it. I don't even think there are saves allowed against the ability. Like it's just once the rune is cast, everybody stops fighting and you got to talk it out. And I used it very often. My dragonkin warrior was not happy with me most of the time. Uh, that's not who I was playing, but the dragonkin warrior at the table. He kept getting irritated. He just wanted to fight. He was always a fighter. Fight, fight, fight. And so was my uh, other friend at that particular table who was very much more about, you know, like min-maxing and, and utilizing all these different strategies to make combat such a focus. And I, I that the compact of peace was what started to get me to realize that there is way more to this game than just combat encounter after combat encounter. You can stop and deal with things in almost an infinite amount of ways as long as your DM is able to keep up, you know? And I just, I, I've loved it ever since. Like, I, I built my newest character to be more supportive. He, he has the ability to attack. He has the ability to defend himself. He just chooses not to because he'd rather tinker with shit. That's what he does. So he'll buff everybody in the party and give them all stuff before the battle begins and after the battle begins. He'll make them equipment, make them all sorts of cool things. Um, give a heroic but butt taps. My heroic butt taps. <laughs> and, I wouldn't steal that. No, go for it. Um, I just, I, I, it brought a lot more life to the game. Um, I, I feel like getting bogged down in combat can sometimes just be the sloggiest part of the game just because of the way initiative works. Uh, it depend, also depending on how big your party is. Uh, so especially with a larger party like this, uh, kind of like waiting for my combat turn all the time and thinking about, oh, how can I fight this thing? And then, you know, by the time it gets around to me, the thing's already dead or something's changed and I'm not even in a position to attack another thing. It really kind of made me think, oh, well, you know, maybe I can do something different and be a different type of support for this group and bring a different type of like encounter to the group. And I've been having a lot of fun with it since. And that's how I like to play D&D now. It just kind of clicked with that compact of peace. And I still, even when my friends are arguing in that group uh, that I played with back then, uh, if any of them are arguing, I will literally just yell compact of peace at them and <laughs> see if they'll stop. Uh, it doesn't work most of the time, but they'll stop for like a second, you know, but other than that, it's better on a rune priest. <laughs> so that's my story. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. It makes me think of a bunch of others now. It's like, oh, I can tell 10 more stories. <laughs> well, what I love we about all have of time these... For 10 more stories. <laughs> Kurt, just record them whenever you feel like you know what they are, and we'll just put it in post. They don't have to know. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, well, I was going to say the... Kurt's bonus stories are for our Patreon subscribers. <laughs> 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 we, don't, we don't have a Patreon. <laughs> we don't. Let's tease it. We're going to tease that. We'll tease that. If we get enough people to listen, I will get Kurt in a professional recording situation and we'll just record some stories for you. Yeah, we've and I'll got, Kurt, obviously we've, pay you for it, Kurt. I'm not going to... Oh, yeah, I need the money, so... Yeah, Me too. Stop. <laughs> yeah, so, so for our, for our Patreon subscribers, I've, you'll get Kurt's bonus stories and my nude Drakari. You're nude. <laughs> well, I had to emphasize that they were the nude ones. We're not going to post yes. those on the regular show. No, 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 no. no. That's, that's too racy. That's for our OnlyFans, Jane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. <No>. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> We've evolved too far. <laughs> Just because I, I don't know how, how long our audience will forgive 
my, you know, replacement Jane. Different <laughs> audio quality. <laughs> Jane. 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 That's just me being mad at myself for not remembering. So we should be mad at our parents for naming each of us Mike. I know. <laughs> oh, man. I... <laughs> You know, being being an actor, like one of the things that you need to do when you register with a union is to register with a unique name. So like no no other living actor can have your same name. So that's why you have a lot of, you know, middle initials or like three name actors. Because like, you know, when when Neil Patrick Harris joined SAG, I'm sure there was already a Neil Harris. So he was like, Well, I gotta be Neil Patrick Harris, you know? Wow, so that obviously, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well so, you know Michael Keaton's real name, right? No. Michael Keaton's real name is Michael Douglas. But Michael Douglas already exists. Yeah, I Michael Douglas and, and Michael oh, Douglas—that's not his real name. He has a completely different last name that I keep forgetting. It's like Eastern European. Oh, or I Russian. thought I thought it was Michael Douglas's. I thought Michael Douglas's first name was different. No, his I whole name mistaken. is different. Yeah, it's all his, weird. His entire name is like an Eastern European name. It's like is your Douglas something? Yeah. Wow. And we'll we'll keep in the the clicky clacky. I'm gonna keep it in because because it's you know searching the internet. Yeah, it just make shit up on the spot and hope no one notices. <laughs> oh yeah, but so I found out I found out you know a couple years ago one of the names that was like on the table for me was uh, Newell after my dad's grandfather and uh i i would have been totally okay with that i think in retrospect my mom fought against it because she thought kids would make fun of me but uh little did she know they would find something to make fun of about me anyway yeah. kids are mean kids, kids, kids are find cool. a way yeah um <laughs> actually we you you and i are are both incorrect he he was born michael kirk douglas <laughs> who was michael douglas michael douglas is michael kirk douglas yes but you oh, are yeah, correct. Sorry, his father is 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 not a Douglas though. I mean, I think uh, you're thinking of Martin Sheen, but no, I, I no, I already know Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen is Estevez. Yes, um, but his first name isn't even Martin. But no, sorry. Well, his father is Kirk Douglas. Kirk Douglas is Isior Doug Douglas, or it, it, I think his last name was different. He changed it to Kirk Douglas when he came to Hollywood. So his son, yes, was Michael Douglas. But well, this uh, this isn't Michael going in. This is I'm not gonna exactly. put this, I'm not gonna put this in because I don't want to embarrass you because I just like scrolled down an inch and it literally says parents Kirk Douglas and Diana Dill. Right, on, but I'm saying it. Kirk yeah, Douglas. Yeah, yeah, is, I know, I know. I'm clicking on Kirk Douglas, and you are right in that though. Kirk Douglas was not his real name at all. Right, you, like that's right, right, right. that's where you're you're uh, right. Yeah. Uh, Kirk. Yes. So Kirk Douglas's real name is Isur Danielovich. Right, that's what I was trying to say. Yep. And then he he took Kirk Douglas. Then his son took Michael Douglas. Well, yeah, he was born Michael Douglas. Michael Kirk and then, Douglas. Yeah. And Michael Keaton's real name is also Michael Douglas. So, but he couldn't be Michael Douglas. Because of Mike Douglas, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Incredible. Okay, Incredible. back to uh, snap. Back, back to, to reality. That. Oh, there goes gravity. Okay, so I might. I'll. I'll see what I can put in for that. Um, I'm gonna cut it up a bit to make it yeah. sound more. Yeah, I mean, like we definitely. We, we don't need all about. of that, but it's. No, it's we an definitely don't need tangent. all of that. <laughs> no. So we're gonna move on to our recurring segment of fails and wins of the week. I don't even have to add reverb to that. I'm so good. Yeah, that was, that right. was a good one. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Mike, since you introduced that so nicely, do you want to kick us off? Uh, sh- sure, sure. 
So yeah, so my, you never go first. Yeah. So my win of the week this past week is uh, the the finishing up my death company. I think they're coming along really swimmingly. They look really nice. The detail was a lot easier to deal with than I thought, and I have to say that's probably because I'm using like a very nice brush to do the, those details. So. Uh, it made it a lot easier than using a brush that kind of just will start to unravel on you <laughs> randomly. My fail, unfortunately, I keep knocking my bottle of Dark Tone over. And what once started as an almost full bottle of Dark Tone, you know, I used quite a fair bit because that's what I used to uh, darken my Death Company back down. I, I primed them like black little zenithal and then dry brush them Mephiston red so that they have like a scratched red highlight going on. And then I originally with the first five, I had painted on the, the wash, but this time I used my airbrush and it worked a lot better and it looks really good. Uh, but I airbrush on a bunch of dark tone to just bring it all back down to almost like a black that has red peeking out from it. And the effect works and it looks really cool so that's like one of the reasons i'm proud of that but like the fail definitely is that i just still haven't figured out a good way to like stop myself from knocking over my darn wash bottle because now i need to buy more when i really don't need to shouldn't have needed to buy more i realize now that probably you know thinking back to our first episode I could literally use poster tack underneath the bottle so that it's not <laughs> as easy to knock over. But I didn't think mm. of that at the time, so criticize me now. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there's, there's not much failing this, uh, this past week. I, I think the two weeks before that were enough fail, like major fail, for a while. Uh, how about you, Jane? What's your <laughs> fail and win of the week? Good catch, good catch. My fail this week came, again, putting the finishing touches on the assembly of the Triumph of St. Catherine, which I did uh, sometime in the last couple days. And there are a number of cherubim on that model, uh, kind of carrying the central, like, funerary casket situation and i mean it's it's a beautifully devised model the way gw has started sculpting with these like gravity defying floaty effects just fantastic but the cherubim have these little tubes on them because they're these weird biomechanical constructs and uh as i was attempting to delicately file down a little nubbin that was left on one of the delicate tubes it done snapped off and uh it was too small of a part for me to get it on. Like, I could not hold it and also, like, put it in place at the same time. So luckily, my brain figured out, what do you use to hold small things? Tweezers. So, you know, I grabbed our bathroom tweezers and I was able to, like, get it back in place. But again, a cautionary tale, y'all. Be very careful with your fiddly bits. They might just pop right off. Also... Um, cautionary tale also should be um as a hobbyist you should have tweezers correct correct i should uh i'll get i'll get some hobby tweezers so i don't have to raid the bathroom every time uh i need them and also so i don't have to pluck my eyebrows with my hobby tweezers well the good These... thing about hobby tweezers in particular is um well if you buy like the ones from green stuff world or ones that are made for this they are non-magnetic so you can actually handle magnets with them as well Ooh, 
That is a good tip. Uh, I will definitely do that then. Uh, so that's going to be one of my upcoming projects is getting some of my stuff magnetized. Anyway, that was my fail. Not terribly catastrophic, but it was a little heart attack moment for sure. My win this week is that I finished the Blade Guard veterans and a couple lieutenants that I had been working on on Monday. And I am just really proud of them. I spoke last week about how working on those shields, I was able to shift my mindset from, you know, trying to make it perfect to just having fun. And that ended up being a really good shift for me and resulted in some very cool shields. And I was able to carry on that mindset to finishing the rest of the detail work on those models. And I'm just really proud of them. I think they look really good. I posted them on Reddit. I got some compliments, particularly on the shields, which again, great. Yeah, that's that's my win. Just finishing my my five models that I'm super proud of. Yeah, I love that color scheme. That blue and white is really nice. Ah, oh, thank you. It's it's yeah. been a nice. Um, I've I've really pushed myself inadvertently, and I'm excited to continue to learn new techniques to make that happen a little bit faster. Because again, as I have spoken about in past weeks, the white. I think it looks great, but it does take quite a while to get to that level. And when you're trying to paint a whole army, it's not its not great when you have to do that on every single troop. Yeah, it could definitely bog you down. Yeah, but, you know, onward and upward. I'm just trying to remember to, you know, hobbying should be fun. And I'm just trying to have fun with it. So on that note, Kurt, fails and wins. What do you got for us? All right. So my fails and wins are, again, D&D related, because that's the one thing I do every week guaranteed. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I have not been painting for fun I've been painting for pay. So so my fail is that my Saturday game got canceled. Oh, boo-hoo. I did mention before that I have a Saturday and a Tuesday game, and the way this is going to work is the Tuesday was a win and the Saturday was a fail. Uh, basically, the DM was um, a hurt and just grumpy and said that he'd probably lash out at people and like take his, his paint out on everyone else, which I kind of, you know, a little bit amusing. Plus, I actually had gotten my um, second vaccine shot so i was feeling under the weather as well so you know it sucked not to game and not to meet up with everybody but at the same time it was probably for the best uh on the flip side of things though the win i mentioned in one of our previous posts about uh starting a brand new game on tuesday and we are a couple games in and we're really starting to gel as a team we have a a new player with us someone i met on one of my writing conferences i go to writing conferences every year and hang out with horror writers from around the new england area and this gentleman's a school teacher who also writes horror short stories and uh, he writes sci-fi and like cyberpunk type stuff and um he was just looking for a weekly game and i'm playing in a monthly game with him i'm like hey you know if you want to play every tuesday i could probably get you into my game and there was some worry that he would you know we've been playing together every tuesday for 20 plus years and um, we all know each other since high school pretty much almost all the players in the game so it's like uh, we're gonna bring some new person in we barely know but um, he's actually gelled really really well with the party but my my specific win ha actually has to do with a die roll and in character um, we're playing in a game where everybody is like basically monster hunters we're in a world that evil's pretty much won the, uh, the area is ruled by an evil overlord who taxes everyone to death and doesn't care that bandits are, are starving the peasants when you go into a village and you help people out they cheer you on when you get rid of the monsters but as soon as the monsters are gone they want you out of their neighborhood because you're you know you're a stranger so we're all playing these monster hunters who pretty much people don't want around until there's monsters and then once the monsters are gone they kick us out of town and um we're all really you know young and new at the profession of hunting monsters and my dm likes to be as sandboxy as possible he wants us to do what we want to do, and he likes to throw a lot of options on the table. He saddled us with this cursed artifact. It's uh, this vase of filled with evil that 
try it's trying to seduce my character currently every time i'm around it it tells me to do really wicked evil things and i'm trying to ignore it and worried that the other players in the party might actually listen to it and if you leave it in any one place it starts corrupting the ground it was raising undead like it, it basically it needs to be destroyed and we don't know how to destroy it we have one clue that there's a place two three weeks away that might might be able to seal it away and so before we left town the new player was like, hey, let's just check all the stories about what's going on in the area, see what's actually going on, and see how much stuff we can figure out. And um, the GM's like, all right, I'm just going to give you a list of different jobs in the neighborhood. And one of the jobs was a bunch of werewolves off to the west. If you go to the west, there's a bunch of werewolves that are supposedly harassing people. Every full moon, a bunch of people go missing and die in this village on the coast. To the southwest... There is a small fishing port where people are just being kidnapped. And all the way to the south is where the city is that we're supposed to take this evil relic. So my character very much does not want to deal with the werewolves. He's like, why don't we just go to the fishing village, see what's taking people, and then we'll go to the temple on the mountain and see if we can get rid of the vase. And I pushed for that, but all the other players were like, nah, you know what, why don't we go take care of the werewolves? So we'll go west, then south, then south again. And we'll just do one, two, three. And if we take an extra month carrying around this evil relic, yeah, it's just an extra month with an evil relic. And uh, I wanted to keep it, you know, in-game role-playing, but we're third-level characters. Werewolves are really, really tough. So my character has the ability to, he sees ghosts and he talks to ghosts. And um, every day I can have a ghost teach me a different skill. So I can swap skills on my character sheet so that I have a different skill as a ghost teaches me how to do what they did in life. So I had a ghost teach me about magic because no one in the party is a, is a caster. None of us have spells. We're all like fighters. And um, so my character has Arcana. And I'm really trying to not metagame that we do not want to fight werewolves. We want to go to the south and get rid of the, the relic. So my character in-game is like, let's get rid of the artifact before we do these other jobs. But out of game, everyone's like, who cares? We'll just level up fighting all the monsters and we'll just do bang, 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 you know, three monsters in a row. And um, the DM is like, well, if that's what you want to do, you know, trying to hint that like we might be choosing the wrong path. So it came down to just luck of the role where it's like, look, I want to talk about how we are cannot handle werewolves and my character does not want to fight werewolves. And the DM's like, well, you've never fought a werewolf. What do you know about him? And I'm like, well, I got this guy whispering in my ear, teaching me arcana. Let me make a roll and I will give them all the werewolf lore that this ghost has. And by pure luck, I dropped... Uh, a 19, not an at 20, but a 19, which gave me a 22 Arcana check. And basically, I just sounded off going, look, we don't have, we have one silver weapon in the whole party. We have no magic items and werewolves are immune to all damage except for magic and silver weapons. So we can't even kill one werewolf, let alone a pack of werewolves that's hunting people. And I managed to basically take us from going to, let's go to a fight where everyone's going to die to let's go to the south and see what's kidnapping people. So it was literally a case of in-game, I probably saved all of us from going to an encounter that was completely written to a higher level party. And the DM would have blissfully let us go and get slaughtered because that's kind of the game he runs. Like you can go anywhere you want and do anything you want, but you got to pay the price. So sorry if that was a little long, but that one die roll basically stopped us from making the biggest mistake and like killing everybody in like game three. I love that. I just... <laughs> 
it's it's so satisfying when your in character game role lines up with what you as a player know. Yeah, because I was, can also I was be really... really hard not to not to metagame and not to be like, look, they're freaking like CR fives, and we're level three, and there's more than one. It can also be really satisfying for me when, you know, the opposite is true, when, like, you know your character is making a dumbass decision because of the dice. <laughs> uh, but I'm glad this worked out in your favor, because that, that sounds like, it sounds like you at least have an excellent character, and it would have been a real shame to have to say goodbye to him well, so prematurely. Well, I'm getting super attached to this character, um... I, I got like a couple of ideas before the game started, but um, I mentioned in our first podcast that we came to a point in the game where everyone just said, okay, we're quitting this game and starting a new game. And then like a week later, we just started a new game with no background, no characters, just trying to figure out what we were going to do. And this is the character I came up with for that game. I, I don't know. I just really, really, really like this character, like almost immediately. Like I have a whole backstory. I know where I'm going. Uh, my character is like in ill health. He has a low con. So I, I like to think he's um, he's like partially like Doc Holliday from Tombstone. You know, he's like red eyed and kind of sickly. But he's also <laughs> like this badass, like Abraham Van Helsing type who wants to to kill all the undead, and all the monsters. So I'm, I'm looking to go out killing monsters. Like I'm, I'm, I'm willing to die, but if I'm gonna die, I, I want to die fighting and not in bed from like wasting disease. Yeah, oh. that sounds great. Thank you. Well, I'm, I'm glad that he's still alive, and I hope we get to hear more stories about him. Yeah, we, we ended game early because of that role. That role stopped us from going to the wrong town. So DM's like, oh, I gotta redo this stuff. So we're just gonna <laughs> end early. So, you know, I'll role play next Tuesday and. Hopefully we'll see if my win of the week is we made it to the town with the missing children and uh, we found out who's killing kids. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Mr. Mike. Me. Did I already go? Yeah, you already went. No. You already went, but like... We're, we're just done? very quiet. You were yeah, very, very that quiet. Was, that was everything, dude. So thank you for joining us, everybody, and thank you for listening to our stories. I hope you find them fascinating, as I do. We will see you next week week. Bye. Bye. Bye.